Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. Faith here with your welcome toast. P.J. O'Rourke said, A fruit is a vegetable with looks and money. Plus, if you let fruit rot, it turns into wine, something Brussels sprouts never do. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. We are at Newman's Own doing our show in Westport, Connecticut, to meet meet the young chefs, a young chefs who entered and won Newman's own Super Snack Challenge. We are going to have on the show Bob Forrester, who is my personal life guru. (laughs) He is also president and CEO of Newman's Own. And we have Michelle Nishan, the chef from Wholesome Wave. We're going to have a wine tasting here of Newman's Own wine. And of course, my beloved food buddies are here. We have Chris Prosperi and we have Mark Raymond, our wine guy, senior producer, Robin Doyen Aiken. And as I mentioned, Michelle Nishan is here. Okay. I'm going to do a blast topic with you for the first five minutes, and I can't wait to talk about this, and we're going to come back to this topic on the show. That topic is vertical farming. I don't mean a vertical garden where you hang tomatoes Mm. and they grow up and down. (laughs) Whole massive farming. Do you know about this, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what do you know, Michelle? The coolest thing about vertical farming is how much food you can grow straight up and down in a space. So you've got places, urban areas like Bridgeport, Connecticut, Newark, Uh, New Jersey, where farmers are actually growing things in buildings that have been abandoned for decades. And how are they? They're doing it on shelves. Think about that. They're doing it on shelves, and they're doing it all over the world, and it is right now a $2 billion process. I mean, that's how much money is involved here, and I'm looking at the future projections for this, and it's supposed to go up in the next five years to... I don't know what, $20 billion. Who doesn't live in an area now where you don't drive by a building, a warehouse, a factory that's shut down, that's boarded up, that could be taken over by a vertical farmer? They do it in boxes, on shelves, and you see these places and how much food they can supply. It is one of the answers. Here's the thing they say about it, that it's less water, right, Mm -hmm. Michelle, you know about this. It's less water, less soil, less pesticides. So the interesting thing, there's there's a group called Aero Farms who's really perfecting this, mm-hmm. where they actually have dense nutrients, organic nutrients in water, and they mist the roots. It's really so cool to it, see. It's, it, literally, the plants take the water they need, and it's in a closed environment. So all the water goes back into the tray with the nutrients. They can recycle it. They use literally like 
one tenth of one percent of the water that agriculture uses to grow the same plant. I've seen one where they actually move on a conveyor in the air and they go through the mister. So the mister is this one section of the track. The plants are growing up onto this like conveyor belt kind of thing and it runs around the building and every once in a while it runs through this part of the track that has those sprayers with the nutrients. Amazing to see. So you know the one thing we're not talking about, I, I know Robin, we've discussed this before, everyone's thinking, where's the light come from? And does that hurt the nutrition of the food in our bodies? Michelle, do you know? The technology of the lighting is actually pretty sensational. So they've identified the wavelengths of light that tease out the maximum nutrients and different light waves tease out different types of nutrients, whether it's like niacin or lycopene or riboflavin or whatever it might be. So a lot of these companies have proprietary lighting systems that they protect with their life. Yes. And, and a lot of them have solar panels, you know, yeah. on these buildings where they actually generate the, the energy that they need to be able to run this lighting. So it's really, it's pretty interesting here's, stuff. Here's the amazing thing. Isn't this awesome? Wow. The, the amazing thing about this is this isn't just in cities where it's hard to get farmland. This is happening in countries all over the world where there's plenty of land, but people can't afford it. One thing before we jump to our next topic here at Newman's Zone in Westport, and that is... For people who are in countries that are under-resourced, we'll say, you know, they don't have much money at all, they can't yet get into this. And now everybody's starting to talk about that. How do we help people in countries that can't afford this and it could benefit the most from something like this? Because in the end, it's less expensive. How do we help them? They're even trying to do it now in stacked shipping containers right, in these countries. Cool. Mm-hmm. Isn't this amazing? Uh, that's amazing. Really incredible. Yeah, really I wonder if it's really going to be a trend. Is this just a passing trend or is this really well, going to happen? When you look at the way our weather patterns are changing, to be able to grow in a controlled environment, mm-hmm. whether you're in the middle of the Sahara Desert, which is where a lot of these shipping container companies are coming up with these really amazing innovations, or Alaska, or frankly, Iowa's climate is changing so dramatically that agriculture is at risk. So it's uh, there's a lot of promise there. All right. Listen, that was really fun to talk about. We're going to come back to this. Cheers, everybody. We're drinking Paul Newman wine, which is excellent. Um, we're going to talk with the uh, wine guy here in just a, a little while. Now we're going to switch over. This is really the main, the core reason why we came here. Except personally, I just wanted to say thank you to Newman's Own for the millions and millions and millions of dollars given to nonprofits. It's astonishing. What is it? Four hundred million? I Half think? a billion. Half a billion. Ooh, okay. Look at <laughs> so that's why I'm wow. here. Um, anyway. Michelle Nishan, you have an organization called Wholesome Wave. Mm. We've had you on the show before and talked about the amazing things you're doing with agriculture and giving uh, vegetables a double amount at farmers markets to people who are on SNAP. It's unreal. Mm. We're with you on this show because you've had this thing called Super Snack Challenge, and we're going to meet the kids who won this thing. Tell me about it. It's amazing. Well, Newman's Own was one of the funders and partners with PBS to do the Healthy Lunchtime Challenge at the White House two years in a row, which resulted in this awesome cookbook. Kids from the 50 states and four territories submitted recipes. When was that? That was uh, during the Michelle Obama administration. So the last last two years of the Obama White House. (laughs) And these kids would submit these recipes along with the stories, and we'd whittle them down to the last two in every state and territory and then get the winners, and then they'd do a healthy state dinner. So this whole Super Snack Challenge is similar. It's like 
getting yeah, kids right. jazzed about healthy food we, and tapping into those creative juices. We, we're going to get to some of your personal recipes in a minute. One of them, Paul Newman's favorite, but we have to talk to the kids, right? And we have oh, to yeah. get these winners yeah. in here and them. find yeah. out what they have done. Because I saw the three recipes and Ooh. I thought, this is amazing. I wanted to eat every single thing. You should see their knife skills. We were in here like cutting stuff earlier, <laughs> yeah. man. These kids are awesome. You got to hire them. They were cooking for a while. You told me you're shorthanded, Chris. <laughs> I got job applications in the car. <laughs> okay. And don't forget, we have Mike McGrath coming, and uh, we're going to taste a couple of these Newman's wines, and they're all over. And when you hear the price point, you're not going to believe it. And they're, well, I'm not even going to say. I just had my first sip, so I'm going to let you all have your own opinion. Let's bring the kids in. Okay. So we have at the table Naima Muhammad, who just turned 12, and we have Lucas Hobbs, who is 15, and Kingston Brooks, who is 10. I'm going to just go down the row. Lucas, congratulations. And what did you make for the Super Snack Challenge? So I made uh, Senor Popeye's Panicopita, which is a Greek Tex-Mex fusion of a whole wheat spinach pie and a whole wheat quesadilla. And what were you thinking? Just trying to be healthful at the same time you were trying to be delicious? I'm a cancer survivor, and food's medicine. Food can be good for you. It can be bad for you. And Mediterranean food, I heard that like almost everything is really good for you. I love it, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. He's got it. In my um, dish, the ingredients are like the spinach, which is a big part. You got garlic, feta cheese, hummus, red pepper hummus, and sun-dried tomatoes. All that stuff's filled with antioxidants, and it's just really good for you. Cancer-fighting foods, and I'm trying to be in my path and just eating healthy, eating healthy foods, Mediterranean, sticking there. Okay, and how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling a lot better than how I was like three, four years ago. Wow. yeah. You know, that is awesome to hear about how you are really thinking about health. And wow, that is also a delicious combination. So I hope, I mean, I know, obviously, you you were one of the winners here. But when you bit into that, you said, oh, yeah, that's good for me. And that is good. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we are at Newman's Home in Westport, Connecticut. And we're talking to the kids who won their Super Snack Challenge. And so, Naima, Muhammad, what would you make? I made a spice pumpkin hummus. Ooh. Chris, who did you I'm, say? I'm, I'm going to put it on my menu. I think Starbucks should, next fall, Starbucks should have it on with their little, like, carrot sticks and stuff that they sell. Congratulations to you for, you for being a winner. That is fantastic. Okay, Kingston, my buddy, what'd you make? Um, I made sweet potato skins with broccoli and cheese. Sweet potato skins with broccoli and cheese. And uh, do those skins go in the oven and get crispy, or how do you do it? Um, basically, we drench them in um, seasoning with olive oil, and then we put them in the oven for 35 minutes. And then we put all the toppings on it, and then um, cook it for five more minutes. Nice. I like it, you know. Are you hearing, Michelle and Chris and Mark, are you hearing that there is a, what I think of as a healthful quality to these, and yet I crave them as I hear mm. these kids doing it? Congratulations, Keith. Absolutely. You know, it, what's interesting is every single one of these snacks had superfoods in it. Yes. Very powerful antioxidants. When you look at something like sweet potatoes, for instance, a lot of people think, so I, I have two children with type 1 diabetes, and people make the mistake of saying, well, if white potatoes are something that's tough 
for you to eat, you shouldn't eat sweet potatoes, but sweet potatoes actually regulate insulin production. Yes, they do. Yeah, Broccoli yeah, is yeah. a superfood. Spinach is a superfood. Yeah. Pumpkin has anthocyanins, which actually help regulate the way glucose gets absorbed into your body. It's like, yeah. these guys sound like, like chef doctors, man. Okay. They're a We're wonderful concoction of deliciousness. We should have you in white coats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, you three. Was there something attached to this that money gets given to an organization based on your choice as winners? Can you quickly go down the line and tell me who'd you choose to give money so, to? I got $15,000, and I decided to split that money in half. I gave $7,500 to the American Cancer Society Hope Lodge and $7,500 to the Ronald McDonald House. Wow, great, Lucas. That's really great. Okay, Naima. I had $10,000, and I gave it to the North Community YMCA in North Minneapolis. Wow. Awesome. Okay. (laughs) Kingston, where'd where'd your money go? Um, I split my money in half. Part of it went to um, this place where they teach kids how to cook in uh, Minneapolis. Yeah? Mm -hmm. All right. So you're you're fueling future chefs. Mm -hmm. And then the other $5,000 went to this place where kids have cancer. And so basically they um, feed these kids for a year with healthy food. It's amazing, This brings us back to Mm -hmm. what Lucas was saying. And I can tell by your... Mm -hmm. A recipe to name it that these are healthful food is and love. so no. yeah food yeah. is love food is medicine <laughs> right food is pleasure we love this you're right in our our philosophy zone so and mm-hmm. obviously we're at newman zone they get that yeah, okay <laughs> all right Future thank you philanthropists unite <laughs> congratulations everybody and thank you for being on the show no and being so articulate about what you do mm-hmm. you know who knows maybe you'll have restaurants one day yeah. mm-hmm. okay right. thank yeah. you We have a wine tasting. These are Newman's own wines, and this is my first try of these, and I'm excited to find these. And Mark Raymond, who's our wine guy, you're going to be especially Chris. Michelle, oh, oh my goodness, this is is awesome. Okay, so in a little while, I'm going to be talking with Bob Forrester, my personal guru, who is, and he's just the most fabulous man, president and CEO of Newman's own, because I want to know how in the world did they come up with this concept? And how do you keep something like this going? There are very tricky questions here. It's going to be so great to talk to him. Plus, we have a couple recipes on the website. We're going to taste them right now. These are Michelle Nishan's recipes. You're going to hear about them, and they're on our website. More mouthwatering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. Are we in the right place for that announcement? We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. Nothing's worrying me. 
I'm Faith Middleton, and you can sign up for um, a free podcast of the show, meaning a copy of the show. We'll send it to you in your inbox. You can listen on your schedule. That's why they call it on-demand podcast listening. Just go to foodschmooze.org where you can find the recipes I'm about to uh, talk about. We're going to have a wine tasting of Newman's Own Wines, and then I, and this is a treasure for me, I'm going to talk with Bob Forrester of Newman's Own. So I'm with Chris Prosperi and Michelle Michonne of Wholesome Wave, who's very affiliated with Newman's Own. Our senior producer is Robin Doyen Aiken. Mark Raymond, our wine guy, is here. Larry Reming is here, our sound guy. Mike McGrath with the wines. Hey, everybody. All Hi, right, baby. here we go. Hey, um, so Michelle Michonne, you are from Wholesome Wave, which is also funded by Newman's Own. And you've been on our show before. He's pouring wine. We've got food in front of us. You're going to hear some racket. That's the, we're, we're eating with you as you listen. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. Michelle has been so generous and given us recipes. This is a recipe, the spoon salad. Well, this was one of Paul Newman's favorites, right? Yes, it was. Faith. And, you know, the, the interesting thing about it was when we were talking about putting dressing room together, there were things that he the, really... The name of the restaurant in Westport. Was dressing had, room. Yep. Uh, attached to the Westport Country Playhouse. And things that he just loved. Meatloaf, mm. chicken and dumplings, mm-hmm. block oh, yeah. cod, chopped salad. <laughs> and chopped salad, he said, mm. we have to have a chopped salad. And he would say, but you have to make sure that it's chopped small enough. Mm. I love going into restaurants and watching people try to chase chunks of carrot around with a fork <laughs> and then I walk up to them and hand them a spoon and say try this oh I love that he's a very savvy food guy right absolutely so when we put it on the menu we called it the Newman says use a spoon chop salad so, and we served it with a spoon and that's okay. why he gave us spoons today so let me, let me just say this is um, Riesling vinegar or any other white wine vinegar and celery and carrots red bell pepper and apple cucumber either treviso or radicchio uh, sliced arugula, thinly sliced Napa Savoy or a soft cabbage, extra virgin olive oil, crumbled local goat cheese, toasted almond slivers. You can hear from this mm. recipe. It comes together so easily, and it is downright delicious. It's and, delicious. It's just and, and so I'll, good. I'll point out in this one that because we're at the Newman's Own headquarters, I use their honey apple cider dressing nice. instead of the mm. and it is like wow right now right now mm-hmm. all right wait because yeah. i just when we took that break i started eating rudely and i said to to michelle i said i don't know what in the world how did you do this dressing Mm. I thought I was just describing it. You're telling me I can buy this in, in a bottle. Yeah, just, Newman's yeah. own. It's, right? a, it's a new What's one. it called? Just shake the bottle, baby. No, it's what? A, it's a, what? You need it's a shirt honey, that says that. Honey, honey, apple cider vinaigrette, and okay. it's delicious. Right. It's like, it's it perfect is, with this. It's so now, hey, Faith, the best kept secret for all chefs is that we all keep a bottle of Newman's own. Our favorite one, mine, is the Caesar. Same thing, mm. shake and go. That's mm. always in my fridge at home. This, this, awesome. is, this is a new one. We came out with it last year, and it's doing great. Yeah, I bet. Mm. All right, now we're going to move on. That recipe is on our website, foodschmooze.org. Thank you for that, Michelle Nishan. Oh, then we're going to go to the Asian grilled chicken <clears throat> fajitas with cucumber salsa. I was nibbling on them while you were talking, Michelle, rudely again. <laughs> and they're delicious. You're going to take a bite, too. It has a wasabi cucumber salsa with a little wasabi powder, some edamame, English cucumbers, sweet onions, 
red bell pepper, chopped cilantro, flour, or corn tortillas, depending on whether you want this to be gluten-free, a little sour cream, a little chopped fresh cilantro. So you hear the health profile, which is what Michelle is famous for. And this is a recipe that is on the Newman's Own website, and right. we want to thank them and mm-hmm. you for making this available to our no, food most people. Yeah. Go. It, it, what's amazing is when you, when you go on the Newman's Own website, um, and Mike can speak about this because he was part of, of this in the very early days, they would just bring all these taste panel folks together to like get the best recipes, but then they'd make stuff with it. And that's where these recipes came from. Mm. They have amazing recipes and they're simple. Michelle, wholesome wave. Yes. You did a thing. I will go to my grave mm. adoring. Making it possible for people who are on SNAP, what we used to call food stamps, because they're under-resourced, you made it possible for them in Connecticut and in many other places to get double the vegetables at farm stands. So unbelievable. Yeah, it's amazing. And and I want to point out that Newman's Own Foundation was our founding funder of that program. Of course. And um, we started basically looking at the difficulties that SNAP or food stamp families face when they run out of their food stamps in the middle of the month. They have $2 to spend on, on a family of four for dinner. So it's 50 cents a person. So it isn't a happy meal. It's not fast food. It's not fried chicken. It's instant rice with condensed soup. A head of broccoli is two bucks. Mm -hmm. And if you have $2 to spend on dinner, you're not putting broccoli on the table. So we basically said, listen, we don't want to tell people what to spend their food stamps on. But if you come here and buy fresh fruits and vegetables, we double your money. And it's now in 49 states, and we were successful in the 2014 Farm Bill, getting the Food Insecurity Nutrition Incentive Program into that Farm Bill. So now there's $100 million in federal funding to double SNAP when spent on fruits and vegetables. Yeah, Yeah, good stuff. There there are a lot of companies out, yeah, and the team that succeeded him. There are a lot of companies out there that are getting into this market of doing good in the food zone. It's very wonderful for them to be here. Let's see who will last as long as the first one, Newman's Own, because it is still going strong. Absolutely. This is awesome. Okay, here we go. We're going to switch over to a wine tasting. We've got a red and a white on the table. First, I want you to meet Mike McGrath of Newman's Own. We call him the wine expert here. So thanks, Chris. He's passing me the bottle. Oh, it's empty. Yeah, how about that? Um, (laughs) Whoops. We still have the red to go. Mike? (laughs) We got plenty more. Okay. How did this happen? The Chardonnay is very, very good for $10 a bottle. I mean, good no matter what, but $10. Okay, and by the way, you'll see online with a post, when you go to your wine store, you say, Connecticut Distributors. Those are the people who bring the wine into your wine store. Just tell them that when you go in. If it's not on the shelf, they can't stock everything. Mike McGrath, how did you get this white? So we started back in 2007, actually, at the dressing room, tasting wines with Paul. And Paul had a great palate, absolutely phenomenal palate. He sat there and tasted different wines. He said, which one do I like? I like that one like that, one like that. The Trinchero guys went back, and they actually made it just like that. And so... We're lucky that we happen to have a great winemaker. Uh, Who's that? It's actually Joel Gott, a very famous winemaker mm-hmm. in Napa. Yeah. His wife has wow. got a fantastic palate for yeah. blending wines, and she's done a phenomenal job. So the net mm-hmm. of it is you have a $10 Chardonnay and a $10 Cabernet that you just can't beat for the value. We're going to try the cab next. Okay, yep. you've got that open. So thank you for pouring that. 
I really, really like the Chardonnay, and yeah. it goes well with our food. Well, it goes okay. really well with the salad. Yes, it does. I just have one so, question. Why aren't I pouring this by the glass in my restaurant? The Chardonnay. Uh, that's a question. Right? There you go. That's we have a question an opportunity. that only you can answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be answered soon. Terrific. <laughs> we're going to start because Terrific. this is a great Chardonnay. It but is. You know this feeling of you want to... I often gravitate to one of these Newman's Own things, and I'm not trying to do this as a commercial. This is the honest truth, where I say, and you know what? My money's going to go to something that means something. Right. You know, 100% of the profits mm-hmm. with this organization, thanks to, and, you know, this like the, Paul and, Newman and, and, and Bob and Forrester. We're making a, and we're making a much bigger deal about that, yeah. too. We're what? letting consumers know the 100% profits to charity. Well, we're going to get to this. I'll ask Bob about this. Back. I was going to say, you've got a lot of different ages that are grabbing this stuff, and who knows Paul Newman and who doesn't, and so we'll get to that. Um, let's try the red. Everybody give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Oh, okay, I'm under no obligation <laughs> to say I like something. You would hear me saying, mm, that's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that is very friendly. And, soft. Um, yeah, soft. Mark, how would you describe it, our wine guy? Ooh. A little? Deep, deep, dark berry and plum flavors in there. It's just rich with fruit, but yet that tannin that you always talk yeah. about. That just kind of zaps you right at the end. But only but a not, whisper of it, right? But not, not an overly super... I call yeah. it sporty, yeah. and that means so friendly, so zippy, can be anywhere with anything. Mm-hmm. You know, right? I can tell by the... When I take a first sip of a wine, I can tell already on the first sip whether I want another glass. Right. Mm. Well, no, I mean, no, forget I about all the other stuff. Just that yeah. I like it, it's palatable, it's yummy, yeah. and I know I'm going to have a second glass. And you know, I think everyone's like this when yeah. you taste the wine for the first time. And you're like, oh, I like that, but I don't know, one's yeah. good, and I'll mm-hmm. sip yeah. it. But right. this one I can really drink yeah. and enjoy with my food. Yeah. They both invite... A second sip, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there is a lot of research that past one or two sips, you really aren't tasting the wine anymore. You're having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <And> yeah. it, <laughs> it continues to be, if it's good with your food, then great. Yeah. So we, we want table wines for during the week if you are an alcohol drinker. And wow. It grows great with a lot of foods. In yeah. Europe, this is what they're drinking, $10 bottles yeah. on the table during right. the week. They're not spending yeah. 15 30 50 Right. Yeah. But it's, yeah. also, it's also great on its own. You yeah. don't have to have it with food. Yeah. Without the food, like it's really sure. good. And that's yeah, why I, I think the balance of the tannins, because they're not hitting you over the head. And it's right. like the Chardonnay. Paul couldn't stand those big, oaky Chardonnays where it felt like yeah. you were chewing on the side of a, of a wooden crate right. when you're, like, yeah. drinking the wine. And the Chardonnay is... Just got the right amount of oak. The Cabernet has just the right amount of tannins. It just it's great yeah. stuff. Remember, well, very well balanced wines. Yeah. Remember Can't back beat it for in the 10 d- bucks. I know. Mm-hmm. Remember back in the day. So that was by the way, when you go to the to the store, if you do, Newman's own and it's Cabernet Sauvignon. We're drinking 2013, 2014, doesn't matter. Remember back in the day when Chardonnay was Everyone loved that big, buttery, oaky mm-hmm. baseball bat in the head. Oh, yeah. And then it, that, that doesn't last. <clears throat> yeah. After a while, you get really sick of that. Thank everybody. The Chardonnay's changed. Yeah. And it's still the biggest white wine in the country. Is it? Yeah, it yeah. is. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah? By a lot. More than Pinot Grigio. Oh, yeah. Sauvignon, oh, yeah. More than Sauvignon it, Blanc. Not even mm-hmm. close. It's mm-hmm. double of what a Pinot Grigio wow. would be. Wow. But, you know, what's, what's interesting to me about it is when you go back to 2007, which is when everybody was getting together to taste and figure out and make these wines, Paul insisted on 
the not overly oaked thing. So it, it just he's always ahead of his time on this thing. And Mike, yeah. Michael and I were having um, having a conversation earlier just about how amazing his palate was. Yeah. Well, he made sure anything that had his name on it, it had a taste like he wanted it. Right. It better taste like the way I... He didn't do focus groups. He didn't put it in front of a bunch of people and say, what do they think? What do I think? And he had a really good everyday man's palate. And he was really good at it. And the salad dressings show that 100% of the time. They really do. And the tomato sauce, too. They show that. They're perfect. Can I do mind if I do something right now? There are, are... We have so many ages listen to this show. So hi out there. If you don't know who Paul Newman really is, I just want to say, and you think, oh, that's someone my parents loved. I am asking you... You know, go to Netflix, look at something that he did. The man was so incredible. By the way, the most gorgeous human being. Second, I mean, third of all, he was, I I met him a bunch of times, and if there was anybody who was anti-bull, this (laughs) was the the guy. And when he, you know, he said, I hope, in my life, I hope they'd say, I mean, he did this. He started a company, and 100% of the profits go to people. It's unreal. He just... All the good he's done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so when when you think now about the millennial marketplace, 80 million millennials coming on, many of them listen to your show, their personal values are about genuineness, authenticity. They want to they want to buy things or they want to make things and they want to make an impression on the world that reflects their personal values back into right, it, right? Right. Paul he was the ultimate millennial because he, was. It, he just like the guy was just like yeah. the whole thing it's like when he created this company and Hotch said to him you know what are we going to do with all this money? He's like, I, I I don't need any more. Let's let's give it all away, yeah. and and that he said it half once. a billion dollars. Half he a said billion it away. He said it once. And what family is going to let go of a half a billion dollars in personal wealth? Mm-hmm. Well, the Newman family, because that's that's the DNA. It's just there's yeah. nothing more authentic than that and yeah. genuine. So you're going to hear next in our next segment when we go to the, the president and CEO of Newman's own, who is the most fabulous man. How do you continue those values? I mean, he was there from the ground floor. When are you here? I can't wait to talk with him and start asking him these questions. How do you continue the legacy? How do you make sure that in this day and age when everything is so red hot and so ready to push you into a zone that doesn't represent your values anymore, how do you stay there? What do you hear this guy? He's just Fantastic. awesome, right, Mike? Fantastic. Right, Michelle? He's Incredible. awesome. Yeah. All right. I love you all. You're just phenomenal for being on the show. Thank you so much. We're at Newman's Own in Westport, Connecticut. Paul Newman started this with a very small group of people, and look what it has become. Everything, 100% of profits, go to nonprofit organizations. A half a billion dollars. It's unbelievable. Okay, we love the local, as you can hear. Please support your local food growers and food makers. For an on-demand podcast, go to foodschmooze.org. And we're coming back right after this.
Faith Middleton. This is the Food Schmooze Party, offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York. That means Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, some of the city, the Hamptons. Our senior producer, the most awesome producer, is Robin Doyen Aiken. And to hear the show on Connecticut Public Radio, it airs Thursdays at 3 and 9 and Saturdays at noon. Ah, now comes the moment. I am with uh, Michelle Nishan and Chris Brosberry and Mark Raymond. I'm welcoming a man that I adore, and he is, he happens to be the president and CEO of Newman's Own, which is where we are in Westport, Connecticut. They have this amazing kitchen. We've interviewed the chefs who won their Super Snack Challenge. We have been tasting their wines I'm here personally because I just want to thank them for the extraordinary contribution of a half a billion dollars to nonprofit organizations. Hundred wow. percent of the Newman's own profits go to nonprofit organizations. Mm. Okay, here's the guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> cheers, Bob cheers. Forrester. Cheers. 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 Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you. Well, welcome um, to Newman's own. Thank you so much. This is an amazing place. There's a room back there where somebody a devil painted the walls and the ceiling in Egyptian style, and there's Paul Newman as one of these Egyptian gods. Tell me, tell me what's going on in that room. I almost fainted when I went in there. <laughs> that really is a room that really expresses the sense of humor of Newman's own, particularly when Paul was alive, but we try to carry it on. Paul was filming. He was away filming. I can't tell you where. And while he was gone, A.E. Hotchner uh, snuck in an artist and uh, repainted his office and Paul came back and there it was. And, so uh, for people who are too young, <laughs> you know, we were saying sometimes people are too young to know right? really who Paul Newman was. Yeah. If they're too young to know A.E. Hotchner, who well, I know, but tell me. Well, A.E. was a, is, he's 101 this June. Wow. Yep. Amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's an amazing character. He's a wonderful <laughs> man. Uh, he was Ernest Hemingway's biographer. He's written many, many novels. Yeah. He actually told me, I had lunch with him Wednesday, he's coming out with a novel in July. <laughs> yeah, a lot of wow. <laughs> So it proves, you know, the, the uh, key to long life is always have an objective out yes. there and good food and a glass of wine. <laughs> of course, of course. So, Bob, I was saying earlier in the show that there are people young enough, they don't know Paul Newman right. necessarily. They know their parents and grandparents mm-hmm. knew Paul Newman. And I said, you know, please watch some movies and you certainly see these products on the shelves. Here's what I want to know. This zone has gotten a little more competitive, right? And yet you're still the leader I see people giving maybe a small portion of their profits. I can't believe that you folks give 100% of your profits to organizations. What's the key to staying power in this? It's uh, We have to have good-tasting food, obviously. You don't sell it the second time if it doesn't taste good. But there's no doubt in my mind that the social purpose uh, of Newman's Own really attracts new consumers, and it very much uh, retains them during tough times. And... Uh, and we think that's wonderful. When Paul started the company, people just said, this isn't going to work. And here we are, 35 years later, over half a billion, 300 products. And uh, I think he proved a point. <laughs> and people still continue, but you must have to think about how do we introduce the youngest people to this and get them to understand. You were saying to me before we started the show that, um, and I heard you say it, Michelle that the authentic 
is so important to our youngest listeners. What is real is so important. And if I know any organization that is about those two things, which are essentially the same, (laughs) um, it's you. I have to say, so how do you use that idea in the culture of this organization? That's a great question. Paul is a good personal friend of mine, and uh, I never really thought I'd be in this position when he asked me to do it if he passed away. And um, so my promise to him was that the place would still be going for a long time, and uh, it would feel right if he ever came back to spend a day with us. And that's a very important thing is we could keep it going as a business, but it wouldn't really be worth much if it wasn't going as a, a vessel of values and core ethics that we had. And we're not preaching to others, by the way, in doing this. It's mm-hmm. our just our way of doing it. And authenticity is a word that we use quite a bit. We make our decisions on, you know, in the food products, the ingredients and other things that we're using, but also it relates to how we think about ourselves and our place in the world. And, yeah. and, and that just keeps us going. How we get to communicate it to uh, internally, it's all through storytelling. Uh, yeah, fortunately, yes. I was a longtime friend of Paul's and of course, Michelle was too. Michelle comes over, meets with our folks once in a while, and we tell stories. Mm-hmm. Somebody will ask me a question thinking it's a yes or no answer, and 15 minutes later, I'm still talking. Because yeah. <laughs> that's part of the deal. It's important. I mean, I will not have succeeded in my job if uh, Newman's own doesn't still feel right after I've left. Uh-huh. Uh, it has to be here. It has to be doing well in a tough business, but... Yeah, Yeah. that's it. In addition to these products that we're talking about, you probably know, as you hear me saying Newman's Own, about the camps for kids who are living with the challenge of illness, very, very Mm -hmm. serious illness. These camps are all over the world, including Connecticut. We make about 600 grants a year, and some of them the more significant in terms of relationship is, of course, the camps are number one. They're 17 around the world now and 14 smaller ones in the developing world, about 140,000 children this year. Wow. That's yeah, quite amazing. Started with 200 kids in Ashford, Connecticut. Yeah. I know. Not that long ago. Oh, I know. Yeah. I was there. So <laughs> how about out in the lobby, there's a huge, is it a jaguar? Or it's, what is they it? call it a puma. A puma. It's so gorgeous. It's life-size and it's pink. But it is in that position where it's just about to either Perfect. attack or pounce or something. And I just said, oh, Bob showed it to me. And I thought, oh, my God, I want this in my house. What is this? This is part of the Italian camps for kids. Tell me this idea where you pair up artists. It's really, I give all the credit to our Italian partners. Uh, they are really wonderful to work with, and they are very creative. And they bring in an Italian artist. A session is about 10 days with the children, who volunteers his or her time for a whole session. Arts are very important in our camps for these children. They're very isolated because of their conditions, so they can express themselves. And the artist just works with the children to conceptually design and otherwise. That puma is actually made out of bubble gum. And, uh, yeah. so Come on. Yeah, no, so yeah, it's, it's bubble gum. And I had it in my office for the first two years, and it smelled like a bazooka factory. <laughs> <if you went. laughs> and... Uh, but it's really, it's really great, and uh, they actually turn around and they sell the children's art and put the money back, back into the camp. And wow. so the kids really Did they get, make a lot of money from that? Or? They were able in one day sell two hundred thousand euro. Wow! wow. Yeah, they have an art gallery over there. Well, and, seeing the bazooka 
animal out there. I, I thought I'd be, I'd be, I'd be bidding. I have to tell you, they did not chew at all. It was done yeah, with, with a hair dryer. Like, I, I see a bunch of kids like scraping bubblegum off the bottom of chairs or something. Oh, yeah. under, under restaurant like, table. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, so we were talking about this earlier, Bob Weir. Um, we've got all these products that fuel everything, and you do them. And what happens when companies get to a certain size is that they start going to these places we call co-packers, and they're slapping labels on things, as my food buddies here know. And they're making 20 people's products, and they're just slapping labels, and the quality goes down after a while. The name might still be on the shelf, but you, you're you never going to come back a second time. How do you keep in charge of the quality control so that it doesn't slip away? We actually do all of our manufacturing outside. We don't own manufacturing plants. Paul was really a leader in that area, but it's all our recipe. We really go back to the word authentic. Uh, part of our value system is that it's our product. We design it. We don't merchandise our name. It's just not going to do it. And we have our own quality control. We just own it when it comes off. So it's our recipe, our ingredients, our quality control. You know, you're right. We probably could make a lot more money in a, a near term by mm-hmm. merchandising. Mm-hmm. That's not who we are. And I think the durability of who we are as a brand would not last. We would just be part of the, everybody else. And um, it's just not part of us. Fundamentally, we're nonprofit people in our thinking. Have people ever come to you and said, we want to buy you, as they do with anyone uh, who gets to be a competitor? Has well, that ever happened? All the time. And... and <laughs> You know, as a fiduciary, it's my responsibility to say, well, I'll talk to you. Now, before I really get into a conversation, remember, you have to give all the money away, and that's usually the end of the conversation. <laughs> oh, look at the time. <laughs> yeah. Want a cup of coffee? <laughs> or a Newman's own lemonade. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, oh, my God. That is so amazing. Yeah. We know corporate culture. I mean, there's so many things that can go crazy in corporate culture. And this place is jaw-dropping in its commitment to a certain corporate ethic. I think that has something to do with you. You mean us today? I mean you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, me. Yeah. I mean you, Mr. Oh. That guy right there. <laughs> I, well, I had the, uh, I was an Army officer in Vietnam. And when I came back, I went right to work in the nonprofit sector. And so juxtapose that in that point in time, and I spent my entire career there, and it's amazing, because you you're in a sector, I worked all over the world, still do, where you see the best of people, whatever's going on, and you'll really see the best of America. You know, Tocqueville had a statement, I'll paraphrase it, that these Americans are curious people. They see a problem in their community, they form a committee of citizens to solve the problem without any reference to government. That's who we are, and you see that all over And I think that's such a vital aspect of us, and it's such a privilege because people are doing it not for any gain, but it feels good. It's the right thing to do. Take Michelle and hold some wave, and we've been working together for how many years, Michelle, now? From the very beginning, 10. 10 years, yeah. Michelle's unique, but there are other people out there who think and and want to do that. They can make it a better world. Mm -hmm. We're just part of that system, and uh, it gives us our energy. It gives us our sense of purpose. You've reminded me about de Tocqueville going on a trip when America was just really getting going and there was suddenly transportation and he was on the trains touring 
America. And at one of the stops, there's a lot of tension on him. And at one of the stops, he said, what an amazing place. What are you going to do with all this? Right. And I've never forgotten that. And I think, wow. Question you know, is still looking, not answered, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. exactly. But maybe in small ways and some big ways, yes. I think you can answer that question, uh, Newman's own. I just believe in American people. You know, I'm a son of immigrants, and um, we keep refreshing the our stock, if you will, and, and uh, these things make us a great country, and we don't have a, uh, a hold on what is generosity. It's all over the world. We just happen to have it more institutionalized, if you will, and organized. So when I was talking to Bob earlier, and I was asking him about going into these other countries and doing these camps and all this stuff... You made it clear to me that you wouldn't dream of going into a place and imposing a solution on people for anything. Absolutely not. Our nonprofit community is made up of the most amazing people. They're committed, they're trustworthy, they're hardworking, and they're a lot smarter than we are about what they're trying to do. So our job is to work with them and help them in areas that we may be smarter, which is business, more experience in, and to help give them what they need is the fuel of money to do what they do. We don't have the answers to the world, but it's out there in other people. Again, you think of our nonprofit sector, and again, Michelle's here, I'll point to a wholesome wave. It's the research and development of our society. New things are thought up there, and then somebody else has to take it to scale. Mm -hmm. But if you wait for the big ones to come in and think up with the idea and take the risk and be the entrepreneurs of society, it's a long wait. Have you ever had someone come to you with something in some country and think to yourself, you know, I don't know if this one's going to work out, but I'm given the money for some gut reason. Have you ever had that? Oh, yeah. It's one of our, our favorite organizations that we partner with. As one example, there were two young kids. They were 20, 22 years old. One was a street boy from the slums of Kibera, and the other was a uh, young lady, middle-class family in Denver, and they had a dream about starting a, a girls' school in Kibera, the largest slum in Africa. And uh, from the point of view of a traditional funder, totally unfundable. They were like, what are you kidding me? But, you know, our thinking, you know, if we can help educate a few girls, you can't lose your money. And there's a sense that something larger might happen. Now, they're serving over 200,000 unique individuals. I was a commencement speaker in December for the first class. These girls would just blow you away. At their age today, they would have children. They would have no hope in their life. Mm -hmm. And now they've won the poetry contest in Kenya four years in a row. They're performing way above the national standards. They're coming to some of the best American schools. And all we did were the partners. And we're fortunate because Paul Newman let us take risks. In fact, he would not have liked it if we thought too hard and tried to be perfect and measure things too much. You know, you can't measure nonprofits like a business. You have to evaluate them over years, and then it works. So, yeah, we love it. That's where we, we that's where we want to operate. It's amazing. Well, you know, it goes from that whole notion of changing corporate mentality from what's your quarterly financial return on money to right. what is your lifetime return on real meaningful change. Right. And change is what we need when we look at some of society's toughest problems. And Newman's Own as a foundation is the seed rainmaker of all of that change. Because it's not just the money. 
the intellect that comes along with them, the assistance, the support is there. It's just there. You know, we, we have to deal with countless numbers of donors to be able to maintain our budget at Wholesome Wave. And Newman's Own is like, that's a great idea. What do you feel you really need to make it so? And they have this unique way of being in touch with their grantees in a way where they just, they can actually say, it's not just about writing the check for the money. The five, so if you think of the, the $500 million over all of these years, and then you add to it the intellect and the intellectual support that's come along with that, is, as well as the network building and the connection, it's just, it's billions of dollars worth of value in the nonprofit sector. It's amazing. There are pressures in the world that are so, I mean, I'm acting like the authority of all this, but we all know this. The pressures in the world are so great that whether you're nonprofit or for-profit, you can let the core, the decency values, the core values slip away in a heartbeat because without even realizing it or sometimes realizing it and going for the money. That's why I'm here. You. you didn't do it. It's unbelievable. And um, my hat's off to you, my guru. Well, thank you. My hat's off to everybody who's made Newman's Own. Bob, Bob Forrester, President and CEO of Newman's Own, where we're doing our show in their test kitchen, having a ball, trying their wines, their food. Michelle Nishan of Wholesome Wave and his food. Chris Brosberry and Mark Raymond. We're on Connecticut Public Radio Thursdays at 3 and Saturdays at noon and weekdays. Listen for my 60-second food schmoozes and never eat more than you can lift. Paul would have liked that. I'm Faith Middleton. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast on your schedule. And when you need a little more party in your life, we're here online at foodschmooze.org. And we hope you'll talk with us on Facebook. We're at Faith Middleton Foodschmooze.